Happy Thanksgiving. May God's grace and mercy and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from Psalm 103. And in fact, I'd invite you to grab a hymnal from the rack in front of you and open up uh, in the front of that hymnal to Psalm 103. I'd like to share a a few of those verses with you now. I'd like to read uh, verses 1 through 5. I'll go ahead and read the odd verses, and I'll invite you to read the even verses. And if you have decided that you don't want to get a hymnal out, I, I will accommodate you. These will be on the screen also. <laughs> so we share these words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So I'd encourage you to to keep the hymnals out, uh, open to Psalm 103. Uh, Maybe throughout the message you can kind of look through the psalm and and reflect on the words of King David there. And maybe take them home with you in your heart as, as you celebrate God's great blessings with your family today. You may be seated. So last month, I was able to go uh, with our 8th graders to Washington, D.C. That was the the second 8th grade trip I've been able to go on, and I've been to D.C. a few other times in the past number of years, and and it's a wonderful place to visit. There's so many things to do, so many things to see, so much history there. But I have to say, every time I've gone, uh, there's one place that has moved me more than all the others every time, and that's the, the Lincoln Memorial. Now, if you've ever been to the Lincoln Memorial yourself, or uh, kind of the same thing, if you've ever looked in great detail at the back of a penny, uh, you'll notice that the most prominent feature of the memorial is the statue of Abraham Lincoln, uh, kind of seated on this throne-like seat, enshrined forever in marble. But if you're standing in front of Abraham Lincoln, and you look to your right and to your left, you can see inscribed into the walls on the north and the south of the memorial are two of Lincoln's most famous speeches. On the north wall is his second inaugural address where he famously urged his war-torn country with malice toward none, with charity for all, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds." On the south wall is the Gettysburg Address, where Lincoln remembered the birth of the nation fourscore and seven years ago and and urged his listeners to resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain and that the government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. Well, every Thanksgiving, Abraham Lincoln comes to mind for me because of two other great compositions that he wrote. They're both from the year 1863, the same year as the Battle of Gettysburg. The first was issued on March 30th with the title Proclamation for a National Day of Prayer and Fasting. The second, issued October 30th, is simply known as as Lincoln's Thanksgiving Proclamation. 
Now, these two proclamations in their title seem to be exact opposites. I mean, who's ever heard of fasting on Thanksgiving? But actually, these two proclamations have quite a lot in common. They make a similar plea to the American people. And the reason I I know about this is because every day on Thanksgiving, in our church services growing up at my home church in Oregon, we would share words from these two proclamations kind of back and forth in the worship service. And so I'd like to share those words with you now from Abraham Lincoln in 1863. It is the duty of nations as well as of people to owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sin and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with the assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations are blessed whose God is the Lord. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It has seemed to me fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. Powerful words from one of the greatest leaders in human history. Words carefully, masterfully, painstakingly crafted to call his people to repentance and thanksgiving, and not to some feel-good sort of thanksgiving, but to true thanksgiving to the one true God who forgives sins and gives us every good blessing. Well, in our text for today, Psalm 103, another leader of another nation also wrote a proclamation of sorts calling for repentance and thanksgiving to the one true God some 2,800 years before the time of Lincoln. We would do well to inscribe these words of King David on our hearts this Thanksgiving. There's so much to reflect on in this psalm, even in in just the, the first five verses that we read together earlier. But for today, I'd like to focus in especially on verse two. Will you read that with me again? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This past week or so has been a powerful reminder to me of how great and how generous our God is. Just how, how far-reaching, how all-encompassing His blessings are. Now, last week, I was able to lead chapel at our school, and, and we actually focused on the text that we used as our profession of faith in our service this morning, the Luther's explanation of the first article of the Creed. We, we kind of marveled at, at how God has made me and all creatures, how, how He's given us our, our bodies and souls and everything that we need to take care of them. 
That same night, I got to talk to the parents of our second grade families, and and we reflected on on how generous a giver God is, how he gives to us so abundantly and consistently, how it's in his very nature to give to us sacrificially and with great joy. These experiences served to remind me of how very much I have to be thankful for. And as I was in the process of putting together this message, I realized how great my need was for that reminder. Forget not all his benefits. How easily I do forget. But it was some consolation to me to see that I am not alone in that. In our Old Testament lesson from Deuteronomy, as Moses spoke to the people of Israel at the end of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, he told them, remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. He told them to remember the manna that God had provided them. And even more, to remember that the man does not live by bread alone, but by every life-giving word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Israel had forgotten that often in those 40 years, and, and they'd forget it again. Nine of the ten lepers that, that Jesus healed got so caught up in their healing that they forgot the healer. At times, I can be a lot like them. Perhaps what Abraham Lincoln said of the American people in 1863 can sometimes be said of you, as it can certainly be said of me. We have forgotten God. Now, there are at least three reasons that that came to mind for me for kind of how or, or why we forget God. The first is... We can have this sense of entitlement. We somehow believe that we're deserving of God's gifts to us, that he has some obligation to give them to us. God had humbled the Israelites in the desert in part to teach them that the things that they had were were not a given, but rather that they were given to them by him. Still, they, they struggled as God led them into the promised land, and they pretty quickly began to take credit for vineyards that they had not dug and and cities that they had not built. We find it astonishing that that the only one of the ten lepers that came to return to give thanks to Jesus was a Samaritan, but, but maybe we shouldn't be so surprised. The Samaritans were a people used to being told that they deserved nothing good. And so of the ten lepers, who all initially, initially recognized their unworthiness by begging their master Jesus for mercy, only the foreigner remembers the master after he's received his blessing. There's this picture that's been uh, making the rounds lately. I don't know if you're able to read that very well or not, but uh, it's a wish list written by a foster child in Oklahoma detailing what he wants someday in in his family and in his home. It includes things like running water, clean clothes, shoes, a toothbrush. Everything on his list are things that most of us take for granted every single day. Things we believe ourselves to be entitled to. Things that that we think we deserve or, or that we've earned. As Abraham Lincoln said, we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. But it's the wisdom and virtue of God alone that produces these blessings. We are entitled to nothing. 
As Luther reminds us, everything God does for us, everything, he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in us. A second reason we forget God and his benefits is maybe just simple indifference, apathy. We become so used to all the things on that foster child's list that we don't even notice them anymore except when they're gone. We take our family and our friends for granted. We, we fully expect the lights to come on every time we flip the switch. We spend so much time and energy researching purchases of items that, that we won't even use three months later. As Lincoln said, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We've been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. But we so often fail to see the blessings that are all around us. And the first step to forgetting God is to forget his blessings. This leads us to a third reason, and I would say the ultimate reason in the end. Idolatry. Idolatry is the root of all sin. It's the breaking of God's first commandment to have no other gods before him. Israel repeatedly abandoned God and followed after idols. Our idols today are a bit more subtle, but every bit is dangerous. They often take the form of the good blessings that God has given us. Forget not all his benefits, but don't worship them either. Nine of the ten lepers idolized the healing and forgot to worship the healer who had granted it. They got so caught up in the gifts of God that they forgot God. And often, so have we. But this morning, I have good news for you. This healer would go to the cross to take upon himself the sin of everyone who struggles with the leprosy of skin, but also and especially all of us who struggle with the leprosy of sin. There, Jesus put to death our every sin of entitlement, our our woeful indifference to all of God's goodness to us, our idolizing of creatures over the Creator. No matter how often we have forgotten God, God has never forgotten us. So let's do what Abraham Lincoln urges us to do, to confess our sin and transgressions and humble sorrow, yet with the assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. (laughs) Because by Jesus' death on the cross, as David says later in Psalm 103, God has not dealt with us according to our sins. In fact, God dealt with Jesus according to our sins. And so, as a result, God deals with us according to Jesus and according to his righteousness, which has been made our own. As David continues, God has removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. And by sending our sins far away, God has brought us close to him. You may have noticed that the lepers stood at a distance when they cried out to Jesus for mercy. Their leprosy precluded them from coming near to anyone, maybe especially to to God in the flesh. Yet did you notice what the healed leper does? He falls on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Thanksgiving brought him face to feet with God, up close and personal, and it does the same thing for us. Thanksgiving is the antidote to idolatry. 
and brings us close to God as we fall at the foot of the cross of Jesus with gratitude in our hearts. As Martin Luther once wrote, God grant that we follow his word to praise and thank our dear Lord for his precious blood, which he freely offered for us. And may God keep us from the terrible vice of ingratitude and the forgetfulness of his blessings. Undoubtedly, the the most famous of all of Abraham Lincoln's proclamations is his Emancipation Proclamation, which freed the slaves in the American South. But the freedom that Abraham Lincoln granted to the slaves is nothing compared to the freedom that God has granted to us. The ruler of the universe has made a proclamation of his own. He has proclaimed you forgiven, free, holy, and righteous. And he gives you great blessings of body and soul. So this Thanksgiving, may the prayer of each and every one of us here today be the prayer of David. Would you say it with me one more time? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. As we heard Paul say to us in Philippians chapter 4 today, May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.